Last Sunday, we launched our fifth location, our first out-of-state location in Charlotte, North Carolina. Watch this. Close to 1,700 people showed up day one. That's like a full-grown church. That ain't a first Sunday. Here's the number that I need you to scream over. 362 people gave their life to Jesus on that first Sunday. It was bonkers. Hey, check out, check out what happened last week in Charlotte. that they ran out of chairs in the entire building. There were no more chairs for overflow. I gave up my seat. I'm in standing in the back of the room in overflow. Overflow was filled. People start sitting on the stairs because there was no more chairs. Watching Pastor Brian preach on his screen. And here's what I, I was tearing up. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. When he got to the salvation point, he said, if you gave your life to Christ, put your hand up and we'll bring you a connection card. I'm in overflow watching people sitting on the stairs. Every single hand in overflow went up and said, can I get one of those cards? Can I get a pen? I've given my life to Jesus. I'm ready to take a next step. Hear me. You are part of our Limitless campaign. If you gave, your giving made that happen. You were the one that bought the equipment, renovated the building, and all that other good stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. It would not be... And by the way, step number one of our Limitless campaign is check, done, on to step number two. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This is just the beginning. Y'all ready for God's word? Hey, turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. If you don't have it, you can look up on the screen. You can also pull up on your iPhone or your Apple or whatever that is Apple. We don't do Androids at Union Church. It's, we are redeemed. We are new creation. Somebody's like, well, you going to buy me a new phone? Well, no, but we got a Bible for you in the lobby. You grab one of those. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Y'all ready to go on a journey? We're about to take a journey today. Says this, then Jacob was left alone. I asked the person next to you, have you ever been alone? Come on, ask somebody, ask somebody, ask somebody. Now, if they burst into tears and be like, I'm alone right That wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. Hey, it's a relationship month. We got you. Singles night is coming up. It's going to be good. Jacob was left alone and a man, notice it's capital N, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go till you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, my name's Jacob. Jacob was my name. That's what my mama named me. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have been struggling with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is that? You asked my name. In other words, ain't none of your business what my name is. And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, 
and my life is preserved. Don't miss the significance of that moment. It's at the end of that encounter where Jacob realized that was God I was wrestling with. He really is. His life just flashed. And he said, and he didn't kill me. That's a big deal. I have a message for you today called the wrestle of alone. The wrestle of alone. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that God, as we open our hearts to you, God, that there's wisdom, there's purpose, there's power, there's grace, there's wisdom for every area of our lives, God, particularly today, God, in our marriages, in our dating, in our relationships with our children and our parents. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Now, we'll be so careful not to take the credit for it, but to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen and amen. Y'all ready? Here we go. Every year around the February time frame, uh, we focus our sermon series on relationships. And if you don't know what a sermon series is, it's our attempt to not make church three hours. You know, preachers, they be getting excited and they get to preaching on and on and on and on and on. So what we did is we took one message and we broke it up into four different parts to call it a sermon series. So instead of preaching about one thing this Sunday, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships. We'll be talking about dating and marriage and raising kids and all this other types of stuff. And, and by the way, let me just give you a little quick QVC commercial. If you're new to Union Church, you're kind of trying to figure it out. You're like, I didn't know any of those songs. I don't know why they were jumping like that, looking like they were crazy, but whatever it may be. What's with all the smoke? Is this a Snoop Dogg church? I don't know what's going on. It is, but it isn't. We'll explain it later. And you're, you're trying to figure out, like, is this a place that I can call home? I think the pastor is 12, but I'm not quite sure. His hair's big. Maybe he's 14. I mean, is this... Can I give you a challenge? Give me four weeks. Here's my, if you would give me four weeks, here's what my guarantee is. You will not recognize yourself four weeks from now. I'm not saying you'll be perfect. I'm not saying all your problems will be fixed. Here's what I am saying. There's going to be an added level of peace in your life that's tangible. There's going to be an added level of fulfillment. There's going to be something that God does in your life that you cannot deny. Pastor, I'm giving you four weeks. You got one week. You ever seen the people that go to the gym the first day they in the gym, they're in the mirror? Ain't nothing happened. Why are you looking in the mirror? You the same? Four weeks. One week's not enough. But I promise you, 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 you give God four weeks, you're going to see him do things in you that you never thought possible. Amen. The name of this series is called It's Not That Deep. It's Not That Deep. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the series title is a lie because relationships are that deep. I'm trying to make it. It's not that bad. It is that bad. It is, it is absolutely that bad. It's complicated. It's convoluted. It's almost impossible without the grace of God. It is. Why do we call it not that deep? Because we're going to give you one thought a week that while there's a lot going on, if you would apply this one thought, you will see forward progress in every single relationship in your life. Here's the reality. Relationships are complicated. And one of the reasons why there's complicated is because there's so many of them that we have to manage. You may have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband, a wife. You've got kids. You've got friends. You've got parents. You've got siblings. You've got on. There's all of these relationships to manage it. And this is going to be hard because my wife is sitting on the front row and, and I got to go home after this. So um, just know every story I tell is hypothetical. This is not real. This is just a actors used to narrate a story. But, so this is not me. It's just you. But you ever been in a position where as soon as one relationship in your life is working, it's like the other one falls apart? It's like I just got to a good place with my parents. They finally have acknowledged that I'm a grown man and I can make my, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> hypothetical, hypothetical, hypothetical. <laughs> but no, 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 maybe, maybe you were harboring some bitterness in your heart over your childhood or whatever it may be. And you guys finally have reconciled. You've finally gotten into a good place. You're like speaking like once a month, but at least you're speaking. That's new. 
It's like, this is working. And next thing you look around, you're like, man, the parent thing is working. And this, this dating scene, this is ghetto. <laughs> the parent thing working right, but this love thing ain't. This ain't it. What is going on in these streets? Then maybe you get past the dating stage and now you're married, you found your forever person, you, you found your soulmate and parents are good and marriage is good and then you got these little aliens called children. And it's just like just raising these kids, this, I just, I want to give one of them back, God. Is there like a return policy? Like Amazon gives me 90 days, what does heaven have? Can I? And it's like, I've got parents working. I finally got the kids working. And as soon as the kids start working, it's like marriage. What happened? Year 10, 12 was good. Year 13, it was like, I know what you did last summer. What is going? I don't think I like you. And it's like, the longer we've been married, the more I don't like you. Oh God, did I marry the wrong person? And here's what I found relationships are. Relationships are like your car back in college. Remember that car? That as soon as you fixed one thing, you drove the same car I drove. <laughs> Something else broke. <laughs> as soon as you fixed that thing, I had a car in college where the whole dashboard went blank. <laughs> Did I fix it? No, it was $1,300. I left that blank dashboard and I said, I can feel it. This feels like 60. <laughs> You know what, though? I never got pulled over, never ran out of gas. It worked. It's like, I'm... And if we're not careful, we're so busy propping up the different responsibilities and relationships in our lives, we always feel like we're surviving and never thriving. So each week we're going to unpack, how, how do I just take one thought, one thought, and move forward? And, and, and I've got the thought for you today, but, but you're not going to like today's thought. I'm just going to set you up with that. You're not going to like today's thought. I'm going to give it to you because you need it, but you're just not going to like it. So let me, let me start off with the whole John Maxwell deal. Hey, hey, my name is Steven Chandler, and I am your friend. Just remember that for the next 20 minutes. You say, I hate that guy. Well, hold on. Calm down. It's, it's you. It's not me. Uh, Here's what happens when, uh, when, when we do these relationship series. And we were sitting, and I call it the Union Church Barbershop, because like the whole church goes to the same barbershop. And we're sitting there getting a haircut, and we're like, man, relationship series coming up this Sunday. I can't wait, man. I'm going to bring my girl, Pastor. You better get her right, Pastor. Tell her, tell her, tell her. And everybody's excited, because you expect me to tell your significant other something. I ain't going to do it. You got to do it. Like, I'm going to bring my man to church, Pastor. Tell him, put a ring on it. Go ahead, Pastor. Tell him, put a ring on it. That ain't today's message. You ready for the thought? You're not going to like it, but it's going to help you. You ready? Here's the thought. You're the problem. I told you you weren't going to like it. I told you. I came to church for this. I no. Hear me out. What's the one common denominator? I get it. Your mama's overbearing. Your kids are ratchet. Your spouse is tripping. Your friends are crazy. I get all that. But what's the one person that is in all of those relationships? Look at somebody next to you and say, he talking about you. He talking about you. He, 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 he. Some of y'all sitting next to your spouse, and you're like, I knew you were the problem. I'm just glad. I'm glad he told you. I'm, I knew this. I'm glad that now, in our passage in Genesis chapter 32, we come across a man by the name of Jacob. I don't think there was anybody worse on planet Earth at relationships than Jacob. If they had Jerry Springer back then, they would have had the whole stage full of people who wanted to whoop up on Jacob. Jacob was born a twin. He had a twin brother named Esau. They were born at the same time, and they grew up, and, and, and God says some things over their life that we'll get into later, and Jacob just got this idea that I have to make my life work for me. So Jacob cheated his brother out of millions of dollars. You see, back then, the firstborn received two-thirds of their father's inheritance, and then the secondborn received whatever was left over. And even though they were twins, Esau was born like 30 seconds earlier than Jacob. 
And because Jacob was 30 seconds behind, he was the second born and he received what was left over. So Jacob goes and cheats his brother out of millions of dollars. And here's what Jacob's brother says to him. Esau said, listen, Jacob, dad ain't dead yet, so I ain't going to touch you. But as soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill you, man. And Jacob's mom came to him and said, listen, Esau ain't lying. When dad dies, he's going to kill you. Run for your life. And in one moment of manipulation, Jacob ruins a relationship with his father, his mother, and his brother. He runs to his, his mother's family and ends up marrying a couple of women, which is not today's series and not today's message, and that's not biblical. But anyway, and ends up ruining a relationship with his father-in-law, ruining a relationship with all of his wives. And watch this, where we find him in Genesis 32, he had ran out of relationship real estate. By the way, if you keep wrecking people's lives, at some point it catches up. You could only go from person to person to person, but for so much. And on Genesis 32, Jacob found himself in a place where he couldn't run anymore. And he was getting ready to meet his brother for the first time since he has robbed him. Here's what the Bible says about that night before Jacob meets his brother. It says, then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. You'll find that there's certain things in your life that will never make sense until you are alone. I'll give you three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. Write this down. The first thing is this. If I'm going to make relationships work in my life, if dating is going to work, if marriage is going to work, if, 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 parent, if this is going to work, listen, nothing works until you wrestle alone. Nothing in your life when it comes to relationships is going to work until you win the wrestle with alone. Here's the interesting thing about alone. I think Jacob had never been alone in his entire life. You, 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 you've got to think, of, Pastor, I'm sure he went to the bathroom alone. Like, I mean, it was probably, okay, maybe, but watch this. He was born a twin. So he wasn't even in a womb alone. Every second of his existence here on earth, there was somebody else around him. And even before he was born, there was a prophecy over his mother. Somebody came to his mother and said, there are not two sons in your stomach. There's two nations. Your twin boys are each going to become a nation. And watch this. The prophecy was the younger son will become a greater nation than the older son. And the younger will rule over the older. So from the day Jacob was born, it was prophesied over his life. You don't get to be a normal child. You must become an entire nation. And by the way, you've got to be better than your brother. So Jacob grew up with this amazing picture of what his future would be like. And one of the things that I've come to learn is vision is not always a blessing. Sometimes a vision of what tomorrow looks like is great, and sometimes a vision of what tomorrow looks like will torment you. Because sometimes you could be so committed to what tomorrow is supposed to look like that you lose the ability to enjoy today. Come on, singles. I'm single today. And all these people in church keep on telling me, you need to be married. You married? You married? Yeah, who are you dating? Is there someone? Mind your business. You ever heard church folks talk about marriage? Oh my gosh, you, marriage is the best thing in the world. You need to be married. Oh my gosh, marriage is when you find purpose and you're able to build a life with somebody else. And oh, you find somebody who understands you and completes you. It's amazing. And then you get the super spiritual being like, oh my gosh, marriage is how God shows his love to the world. And it's, it's an image of God because the father loves the church and the church loves the father. And that's what marriage, marriage is an image of the kingdom of God here on earth. You need to be married. Single folks, can I tell you the truth? Not a lot of people tell you the truth. I, I tell you the truth. You can trust me to tell you the truth. Marriage is great most of the times. <laughs> Even married folks ain't going to tell you. My wife on the front row, she'll come up and tell you herself. My wife loves being married to me. <laughs> Say amen. <laughs> not y'all, not y'all. I'm waiting for one amen. Still ain't heard it yet. She'll come for she loves being married. How many days out of 365 days? Out of 365 days of the year, 
There's about 350 of them that my wife says, I love being married. There are about 15 of them days where she's like, what did the TV show say? Was it Clorox in the coffee? Was it? <laughs> That's why I never drink the coffee before she does. I'm like, wait, you, you eat the food first? Married folks ain't going to tell you the truth. The truth is being married is great most of the time. But some of the times it's just like, will you go away? Just for a, I just want one day where I could do whatever I want to do, spend whatever I want to spend, and don't have someone. Else. Well, I was looking on the Wells Fargo app, and I noticed that there was two. Did you have something to tell me? No, no, I don't. Got nothing to tell you. And you could be so consumed on this marriage that you see tomorrow that you can't enjoy the fact that you don't got to report to nobody today. Where are you going? Wherever I want to. What you eating for dinner? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And guess what? I don't got to ask nobody. Enjoy it while you. Am I allowed to say dumb parents? That ain't, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't godly, but I just did, right? You've been around them dumb parents that are like, oh my gosh, my child is perfect. I was, this is super spiritual. I mean, I didn't know what God's love for me was like until I held my baby boy. And, and when I laid hands on that baby boy, oh my God, the love of the father was revealed to me. <laughs> One of two things is true. Either that baby is only three weeks old and ain't pooped all the way up its back and ruined the whole bassinet, or you one of those one in a million parents that had a baby that was born sleeping through the night from day one, and don't worry because the second one ain't going to do that. Children are amazing most of the times. How many days a year? 365 days a year? I love my kids. About 300 of them, 365 days. There are about 65 days where I'm like, I think your mama lied to me. You ain't my kid. What in the world? <laughs> it's just, it's like, where's the return policy? And here's what happens. We get obsessed with what we don't have. And we get so excited about this picture of what tomorrow is supposed to look like. And we're so obsessed with tomorrow that we can't even live and enjoy today because of this prophecy, this picture, this word that is looming over us. So from day one, Jacob is born with this idea of you're the second born, but you've got to be the biggest nation and you've got to rule over your brother. And here's what happened. Jacob started to look at his life and he said, if I don't do something, it won't work. So watch this. Jacob starts lying. He starts manipulating. He starts tricking and he starts doing whatever he can do to create the picture that was spoken over his life. And all of his relationships fell apart. This is it's called pregnant pause. Y'all ready? This is the moment of the message where you're really not going to like me, but that's all right. We'll clean up at the end. Most people care less about the relationship and more about the picture that they're trying to build. And a lot of people have a picture of what they want their future to look like. And then they just go out and try to find people to fit into their picture. It's like, I've got this picture of the type of marriage that I want. I just, I've, I've got the marriage. I just don't got a wife. Let me figure this out. Okay, can, can, can you fit in my picture? Can you? Okay, we'll, we'll make you fit. I, I've got this picture of the type of children that I want to raise. They, they're going to be educated kids, and they're going to have master's degrees. And, and I don't care that God didn't make college for them. I'm just going to fit them into the picture that I have for my life. Can I get for real, for real, Columbia? So we go up to somebody, maybe a friend, maybe a parent, maybe a child, maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or whatever it may be. And the conversation doesn't go like this, but it kind of goes like this. It's, hey, can you fit into my picture? And then they say, who are you? And we say, I'll be whoever you want me to be. 
if you'll just play the game with me. So Jacob spent most of his life in every relationship saying, hey, who do you want me to be? And if I can get what I need to get by being who you want me to be, I'll be who, whoever you want me to be. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. It, it says, do not lie to one another because we have taken off, what's that word? The, we've taken off the old man together with his deeds and have put on the, the new man that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So here is Jacob. He's off alone by himself, and he instantly gets into a fight. Do you know that there's a fight that is going on inside of you every single day? Sometimes life is so loud and so busy and so hectic that we don't realize that there is a fight, but there is a fight. Who's fighting? Well, in the red corner. Weighing in at 244, nothing but pound for pound ratchet steel. It is your old man. Who's the old man? Who you was, is, was, sometimes we're confused. Before you met Jesus, that's the old you. The lying you, the cussing you, the manipulative you, the insecure you, the arrogant you, the prideful you. That, that old man, he's wrestling with the... The, new, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a, a new. When you become a Christian, the Bible says that you are born. There's a new you. A you that walks in the power of God, the wisdom of God, the purpose of God, the peace of God. But here's the problem. There's this war between the old me and the new me. And I'm going to tell you something that you ain't going to tell yourself. The old me has been on earth a lot longer than the new me has. And I'm all saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But Ratchet Stephen, he has been in the gym. And I'm not talking about like a fancy gym. I'm talking about one of them prison gyms where they just, I mean, just push-ups on the wall. And Ratchet Stephen's like, I'm a whoop, yo. So there's this Stephen that talk out the side of his neck, say whatever, and they call you sensitive when you get offended. <laughs> Y'all like, is that in there? Oh, he in there. And then there's the guy. And there's this wrestle that's going on. And until I figure out who's going to dominate my life, every relationship in my life is going to be ruined. Because I, you know, a lot of people don't know what being alone is. I know what being, uh, being alone is when nobody else is there. Okay, well, you're there. God's there. So is being alone really when no one else is there? Or is being alone when you're more aware of who left than you are of who stayed? And so many of us are so obsessed with who left that we've never dealt with who stayed. I know they left, but who am I? I know they left, but what is God? Okay, write this down, write this down, write this down. Second on this, second on this. If relationships are going to work in my life, it's time to embrace your name. It's time to embrace your name. So here we are. God is wrestling with Jacob, which man, this would be the pay-per-view fight of the century. Can you imagine Jesus Christ fighting? And by the way, can I just message you theology? Y'all know that was Jesus he was fighting, right? Pastor, that's not true. Jesus wouldn't come to Matthew. Matthew, remember Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary as a baby boy? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the beginning of time. Before anything was, Jesus was. Jesus is God. He has no beginning. Now, he came as a human through Mary. But he's been around forever. And anytime the Bible says not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. Remember it said capital M. Why? Because it's talking about, this was Jesus in, you remember and, and when the Hebrew boys were in the fire? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said there's a fourth man who's in the fire and he's walking and he looks like the son of God. Jesus is showing up all throughout the old and here he is wrestling with Jacob. He looks Jacob in the eye and he says, Jacob, what's your name? That's not a question you ask a grown man. You know what I mean? That's a 
question you ask, you know, a three-year-old. You're meeting the parents. I'll do it in the lobby all the time. Hey, it's good to meet you. And then I'll come down to the three-year-old. Hey, what's your name? Yeah, you, you feel a little patronized when somebody comes to you and they use their, like, kid voice. Hey, what's your name? God comes up, comes up to Jacob and says, hey, what's your name? And we may not realize the significance of this question. By the way, when Jesus asks a question, just understand it's not because he don't know the answer. He's not asking because he doesn't know. He's asking because you. He said, Jake, what's your name? And here's why that question was so significant. Because the last time somebody asked Jacob what his name was, Jacob said, my name is Esau. The last time someone asked Jacob his name, he, he lied. You see, Jacob's father was passing away. He was losing his eyesight. And there was a custom in those days that you would pronounce a blessing over the oldest son when you gave him all of your possessions. And his father said, Esau, I'm getting ready to die. Go out and hunt. Find me a goat. Prepare me a meal. And when you come back, I am going to put a blessing on your life. And I'm going to decree and give you all of my possessions. Well, Esau, Jacob's older brother, went out to hunt for the goat. And when he went out, Jacob's mom came to him and she said, God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. Your dad is getting ready to bless your older brother Esau. And if your older brother gets that blessing, you will never become a greater nation than him. You'll never live up to your potential. Here, I'll make the goat. Go get some hair. Put it on your arms. Go in and tell your father that you're Esau. So through the instructions of his mother, he made the meal. He snuck in and he went to his father. And, and, and the Bible doesn't tell us this. The Bible says that, that Esau was a hunter. And, and it says that Jacob stayed at home. I'm just adding this. I think Jacob had a, had a, I call it a poet's voice. He was a poetry guy. He was a, he was a guy, you know, had a lot of feelings. And he liked to write out his feelings. And, and Esau was a man's man. Like he, you know, he, he, he was a hunter. I think he had a deep voice. And, so he walks in, and, and, and his father Isaac can't see it. And he said, Esau, is that you? And Jacob said, yes. I mean, yes, yes. Yes, this is me. And his father knew something was up because he says, it doesn't sound like Esau. He said, come close, and he begins to feel his arms, but Jacob was ready for that, and he had put animal's hair on his arms, and he said, the arms feel like the hair of Esau, but it's the voice of Jacob. What is your name? And he looked at his father and he said, Dad, I'm, I'm Esau, your, your son. So the last time someone had asked Jacob his name, he lied. And this time when God says, what's your name? What he was saying is, are you finally ready to be real? Because your whole life, you have been who they told you you had to be. To paint the picture that you were going after. See, Jacob didn't come up with this idea of saying that my name is Esau. His mom did. Because his mom said, this picture that you have, you'll never get there being you. You've got to pretend to be someone that you're not. Can I just talk for a second? Some of us have picked up pictures from our moms and our dads and our culture of the marriage that you want, the future that you want, the career that you want, the life that you want. You'll never get there being you. This is who you have to be if you're going to get that type of picture. So somebody told you they only want you for your curves. So you've spent your life giving away your curves. Because someone told you that's who you have to be to get the life that you want. Somebody told you that you have no value outside of the money you can make and the life you can provide. So you've spent your life defining yourself by how much you make and how much you can provide. Somebody told you they just want you for your brain or they just want you for your humor. Or who's, here's who you need to be. And, and I've spent so much time being who they've told me to be that I don't even know who I am. Some of us, it wasn't our mother or father who told us what to be. It was trauma. Trauma told me that people can't be trusted. Trauma told me that when they get close, they hurt me. So because of that, I have picked up a persona of never let them close. Yeah, yeah. I'm a recently y'all male, but that's all right, because this is my male too. You ever been around those people that want to know everything that's going on in your life? Hey, I ain't seen you in a while. Tell me how the kids, how's work, how's this? How, man, that's rough. Tell me about it. And, and, and you walk away from the conversation and realize you don't spill all your tea. 
and you don't know anything about them. And the whole time you had no idea they were keeping you at arms. Oh, they were so nice. No, they were guarded. Because life told me that people aren't safe. And I've cast the fun. And then your fraternity told you who you are. I'm Iceman. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Watch out now. Everywhere you turn, there is someone, something, or some organization that wants to tell you who to be. And we've been told who we are so that we don't even, who are, I don't know. Jacob, who are you? Jacob said, I'm tired of running. Tired of pretending. I'm, by the way, you know why the dating scene is so exhausting? You know why? I'm getting answers over here. Let me. You know why it's so ghetto in these streets? Because you about as fake as a $2 bill. I don't, I don't know who you are. By the way, this, we'll talk about this. Let me just help you. Do you know there's only one purpose to dating? It's not because you're lonely. There's only one purpose. The only purpose of dating is to figure out who you are and do I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It's the only It's not because you're lonely. It's not because it's cold outside. You don't want to turn your heat on. That's not the purpose. The only purpose is should I? And by the way, the second you know the answer to it, you need to make a decision. So all it is, we've been dating for seven years. Oh, I'm a pastor. You meddling. Well, I tell you last week, it's my job. You know, you know. You, you, you know, it's like you seven years to know. You know. Well, I know. I'm just waiting for him to know. He knows. You know what's so funny? You accuse us of making quick decisions, but then you wonder why. And I'm dating you. I'm trying to figure out if you're the one that I'm supposed to be in real life with, but I don't know who you are because you won't show me. And now you turn me into an FBI agent. I got to go through your whole history. I got to search out why. Did you really go to the high school you told me you went to? Or did you another high school? Or I got to find out your friends. You're going to train all your friends to lie for you so I can't even trust them. And now I'm out here like Sherlock Holmes talking about who is you? And if we were to answer honestly and say what our name is, we'd say, I don't. I don't know. Somewhere I lost myself. It might have been in the abuse. It might have been when my parents got divorced. It might have been when I lost the first job. I don't know. But somehow who I was stopped and who I was told I needed to be began. And I've lost the lines. Jacob, who are you? And Jacob said, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. You, you know who I am? I'm, I'm Jacob. Fine. I said it. No, no, no. You may not know how significant that is because you don't know what the name Jacob means. Y'all, Jacob means second. Y'all, they were so literal when they named kids back in the day. Like, whatever you did, that was your name. If you were born with a lumpy head, your name would have been Lump. Just. <laughs> it was straight literal. So Jacob came out second. So guess what they named him? Second. Another name for Jacob is coming from behind. Heel grabber. Jacob said, fine, you heard it. My name's second, but the prophecy says I got to be first. My name means I'm always going to be coming from behind, but the prophecy says I'm supposed to be the great. You, do you get it? Who I am is not good enough to make that picture happen. Why is it that we pretend to be something that we're not? It's because somewhere along the lines, we believe that who I am is not enough to paint the picture that I see. And if that picture is ever going to become a reality, I've got to become something I'm not. So I pretend to know everything. I pretend never to be worried or afraid. Or I pretend that I've got this. I pretend that I've got that. I pretend, I pretend, I pretend. And then I'm confused why none of my relationships are working. Because I never got the real you. Some of y'all are heartbroken because someone broke up with you and left. Can I tell you something wild? They didn't break up with you. They broke up with who you were pretending to. 
they never met you. The, the, the number one, not number of calls, but number one, the thing they put on their divorce certificates is irreconcilable differences, which is like just the catch all of us. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I understand there's lots of divorced people in our church, and you've heard me preach this so many times. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. This is not a condemning message. It's not your life is over, but just hear me. Irreconcilable. It is hard to reconcile to people who don't know who they are. I'm trying to connect with you. You're trying to connect with me, but I don't know who I am. You don't know who you are. I, it was doomed from the beginning. God said, Jacob, who are you? Jacob said, I'm second, okay? I'm not good enough. I, I, I can't accomplish the, the word that is over my life. God, are you happy? And Jesus said, oh, I'm happy. I was waiting for you to tell me who you are. And by the way, now that you've told me who you were, let me tell you who you are. Your mama named you Jacob, but I am the God that speaks a better word over you. And your name will no longer be called Jacob, but I'm going to call you Israel. Jacob means second. Jacob means left behind. Israel means the Lord will prevail. Israel means the Lord will make it happen. Israel means the the power of God is behind me. Here's what God is saying. I wanted you to be second because if you were first, I wouldn't get the credit. But because you're second, when I make you first, everybody around you is going to know that it was nothing but the power of God on your life. Whole time you thought you weren't good enough and you were exactly who God needed you to be to paint the picture that he has for you. Can I give a word to your mama? Okay, go ahead. Where are you going with this? You'll never know who you are until you wrestle with God. Because he's the only one that can tell you who you are. Failure will try to tell you who you are. Trauma will try to tell you who you are. The streets will try to tell you who you are. College will try to tell you who you are. And it's not until, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about doing this religious game. I'm talking about wrestling with God and say, God, this is who I am. God, I struggle with anger. and Sometimes I'm insecure. and Sometimes I'm overprojected. Sometimes this and sometimes that. And God is saying, finally, after 15 years in church, you're finally being honest with me so I can find Finally remake you in who I've called you to be. I call you the head, not the tail. I call you above and not beneath. I know it's not working out, but your best days are ahead of you. They are not behind you. Everybody around you said that you're timid, but the Lion of Judah lives on the inside of you. Everybody says that you fail too much to make anything of your life, but don't you know it's me who makes you, not your performance who makes you. I know if I had some people that would just allow God to tell you who you are. It would change the way you walk. It would change the way you, it would just, I, I don't got to perform for you anymore. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. But my God said that picture is going to happen. So I don't got to work you anymore to make it happen. Here they are wrestling, and Jesus said, listen, bro, I got to go. It's, it's not Matthew yet. I'm not really supposed to be here, so I got to get out before the sun comes. And Jacob said, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. And he said, oh, you forgot I'm God. I could go whenever I want. And the Bible says he touches his hip, and his hip pops out of the socket. Y'all, do you understand the excruciating pain that it is to have a joint pop out? And you know what? Jacob was a gangster, bro. His head pops out. He still wouldn't let go. He said, okay, here's your name, Israel. Your future is secure. Jacob lets him go. God leaves. Write this down. Land this plane. The power is in your limp. Don't miss this. The power of your relationships working is in your limp. So you got to remember, this little wrestling match, this fight with Jesus, it was the night before he went to see Esau. The Bible says that Esau was coming with 300 soldiers to meet him when he heard Jacob was coming. Esau had not forgotten what he said. Did you forget? Let me remind you. I'm going to kill you, man. 
He says, I've been waiting for this moment. The next morning comes. <laughs> Y'all, the Bible is so jacked up. Jacob took his favorite wife, not my words, the Bible's word, and put her in the back. Then he took the second favorite wife, put her there, the third favorite. He had four of them, lined them up. And how do you feel being the first wife in the front? <laughs> Talking about, you better hope Esau kill me, because if he don't, I'm going to kill you. And then Jacob's walking in the front towards the brother that says, next time I see the last broken relationship Jacob is in. Now, the Bible says that when Jacob began to walk towards Esau that next morning, when Esau saw him, that Esau ran towards Jacob. Now, when I've read this a million times, I said, oh, God softened Esau's heart. He was running towards Jacob because he had forgiven him and he had missed his brother. And I believe that for years until I was studying this week. And I remember that Jesus never healed Jacob's limp. He never put his hip back in its socket. So the last time Esau saw Jacob, Esau said, I'm going to kill you. Jacob said, I got you, man. And he took off running. The next time Esau saw Jacob, he didn't see this confident manipulator that just stoned millions. He saw his broken brother. Limping towards him. Get this picture. I want to kill you. But you're limping. And I don't think Esau ran to Jacob because he had forgiven him. I think Esau saw the brokenness of Jacob. And he said, I can't let you walk like that. Let me come to where you are. You know what's missing in all of our relationships? Brokenness. We're missing our limp. Because someone told us we have to be perfect. And someone told us that we have to have it all together. And someone told us that we have to have all the answers. And, and someone's told us we have to be this perfect package. So we believe them. And in every relationship, we're trying to be this perfect package. And the person says, I don't know who you are, but I know this is not who you are because no one's perfect, but you won't show me your imperfections. And because you won't show me your imperfections, I can't trust you. And we wonder why everybody's running away from us. It's because you always have the answers. Try for a change saying, I don't know. Come on, husbands. Try for a change saying, I'm scared. I lost my job and I don't know what's next. You, you're sitting at a date, you know, you know how these Christian girls are. So what's your 10-year plan? Where, where do you see yourself in the Lord a decade from now? Look at that daughter of Zion in her eye. <laughs> Try to think the most disrespectful thing I could say. And tell homegirl, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be somewhere 10 years from now. And hopefully God will be with me then. But I can't see that far. And if you need somebody who has it all together, I ain't your guy, I ain't your girl. Can I mess with you? I ain't your pastor. But if you need someone that says, I know who I am. Because I've wrestled with God and God said, I'm going to be okay. He said that his power is behind me. He said that he's going to bring the picture to pass and I don't have to do it in my own strength. And if you can handle somebody real, then I'm your guy. What if we put just a little bit of brokenness in our friendships? Where it's no longer a competition of who can one-up another person. But hey, here's who I... What if we put it in our, in our relationship with our kids, with our, with our, what would our relationships look like if we were just real? Second Corinthians 4, 2 says this, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not, watch this, walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. I don't got time to preach this. That's when you act more spiritual than you actually are. Are you scared? No, I'm full of faith. No, you're scared. 
say you scared. But by manifesting the, the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Step one of our relationship series. You ready for it? Be you. Stop booing who you think they need you to be. I'm not saying be the ratchet you, be the redeemed you. Some of y'all are like, oh, be me. Wait till I get in this parking lot. I'm going to give you me. <laughs> no, keep that me dead. <laughs> we me and Jesus. Let's just add a little bit of brokenness to our relationships. And watch what happens. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. You're the one person we don't have to perform for. God, you know what's wild? You know every dirty, dark, nasty secret about us. And you still love us. You still died for us. You still want us to be a part of your God. That blows my mind. And God, I pray that as we receive that acceptance from you, that it give us the power to accept ourselves. And be who you've called us to be. Right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time supernatural for you. Some of you are realizing for the first time, I've been everything that I needed to be, but I've never been who I was made to be. For everybody, I want to ask you one important question. Who have you been with Jesus? Have you been the person who's constantly performing and trying to keep God happy? Or have you been the person that realized that, God, without you, I am nothing? God, I need you as the center of my life. Wherever you find yourself right now, if you'd be honest and say, Pastor, I can't say that Jesus is the center of who I am. I can't say that I have a good relationship with Jesus, but I want one more than anything else. This moment is for you. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross so that there's nothing that can separate you from him. He's just waiting for you to respond to his invitation. You can respond right now simply through this prayer. You say, Pastor, Jesus is not where he needs to be in my life, but I want him to be. Right where you are, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, for my mistakes. In this moment, I open my heart to you. I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every...